0: This morning's reading is from John chapter 2 verses 1 to 11 and then from Luke chapter 3 verses 21 and 22 (coughs) on the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee Jesus mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding when the wine was gone Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw out some and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And then two verses from Luke. When all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying heaven was opened and the holy spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my son whom i love with you i am well pleased this is the word of the lord
1: So, Friday nights, were you all excited before you went to bed? No? You don't look very excited now, to be fair. Um, It was Epiphany Eve. I'm sure you must have been up all night wondering about Epiphany. No? Okay. I have to admit that, though I'd heard the word Epiphany, I've never really understood what it's all about. Um, Epiphany was one of the three great feast days in the early church The others being Easter, the most important, and Pentecost Christmas wasn't even thought about It falls on the 6th of January That's the 12th day of Christmas That's the day when all the drummers come drumming In lots of different countries it's a really big event not over here. So, in some parts of Europe, you have a great procession through the streets, and in Germany, uh, children go out and knocking on doors, asking for food to give to the poor. So, a bit like our um, our pantry. In Eastern Europe... Um, There seems to be lots of things done with freezing cold water. So uh, in Bulgaria, they dance in freezing cold water with the ice still on it. Um, And uh, I think in Serbia, uh, they sort of dip themselves three times into water, freezing cold, Um, and sometimes they just uh, dive into the water where a wooden crucifix has been um, uh, thrown in and the first person to catch it apparently has really good health for that year. I've never seen any of that apart from on YouTube yesterday. Um, But it started me wondering whether we're missing out. Then I thought, we're missing out on quite a lot of things. Pentecost? What happens at Pentecost? Well, we know, but nothing out there happens. And Easter seems to be more about chocolate and bunny rabbits than on the greatest day ever, when Jesus rose from death to save us all. So, how come nothing epiphs at Epiphany? Why was Epiphany so important and why is it unimportant now? Epiphany is traditionally the day when the three wise men came to visit Jesus. But the celebration is much more than that. The wise men are celebrated because they represent the revelation of Jesus to the Gentiles. Epiphany means manifestation or revelation in the days when Epiphany was a great church feast it also celebrated the revelation of Jesus through his first miracle so that's how the, the two readings tied together which, which somebody had the temerity to ask whether I got the readings right no names mentioned Dave So, that first miracle was to turn the water into wine at Cana, and the revelation of Jesus as God's Son at his baptism. Those three things the miracle, the wise men, and the baptism are all lumped together. And that was the cause for the great celebration. That he was born in a manger was relatively unimportant compared to the events that proved to the world who Jesus was. The authority of Jesus was validated by the signs he performed, changing water into wine, and the voice of God descending uh, as a dove at at his baptism, and the signs in the heavens that the wise men followed these raw God saying this is it he's the one and epiphany was the church's way of saying and we can never be the same again so why doesn't anybody epif- epiphany there could be a number of answers but I think the main one is for the most part we no longer expect it I say this because I am very often like that, I don't expect God to reveal himself to me any more than I expect John Lewis to hand out free TV's. I would suggest that I am not the only one, but as I was writing this talk, um, it did seem that I was writing it for myself, Um, so I hope some of you are on board. The early church was full of excitement and expectation. They expected Jesus to return at any time. Many of us today have lost that excitement and expectation. But God does miraculously appear in many different ways when we're least expecting it. Imagine what we would see if we were always expecting uh, something to happen. If we keep remembering the things that God has done in our lives and in the lives of others, we might expect to see God everywhere we turn. We're not likely to miss it when it happens again. The wedding at Cana was absolutely packed with people and yet only a few people were aware that Jesus had performed a miracle. Most weren't paying attention except to realise that the wine was flowing again. They weren't watching and missing an event that's been talked about for over 2,000 years. Bethlehem was crowded with a mass of people when Mary and Joseph couldn't even find a room for the night. But only a scant few paid any notice to the new life that was to change all of history. Bright stars and shepherds notwithstanding. If we want anything to appear, epiph, out epiphany in our lives, then we'd better start expecting things to happen and start watching for it. If you're expecting visitors to your home, you're not gonna miss their arrival unless they're creeping up on you own purpose. You've made preparations for their coming fully expect to see them and always keep an ear out for the doorbell and an eye out for their arrival, or in our case, the dog barks. Do we prepare for God to come? For that matter, have we even sent the invitation? How many times do we start our day by asking God to be revealed and the people we meet? In travelling to and from work or school? Or in our housework or our hobbies? How many times do you ask for God to reveal himself in church? Through songs, the talk or the Bible reading? Or from somebody else in church? Be honest. How many of us expect a real life-changing encounter when we walk through those doors? on a Sunday. I'm really guilty of not getting too excited about things. And that's just in general. Because I don't want to be disappointed. But I'm coming to realise that not being excited for God, I'm missing out. If I don't expect God to do things, why am I coming at all? However, God still surprises me when I'm least expecting it. If we're not expecting company, they might show up when we're out, or in my case, asleep, or too busy in the garden to hear the knock on the door or the ring of the bell. The danger is that if we're not looking for God at every turn and listening uh, for for God in every voice, then we'll be as clueless as the guests at the wedding or the people in Bethlehem. If we are looking, the signs of God's presence are everywhere, outside and inside the church. God is there in the trees and seas and sky. He's there in nature, in the delivery room, in the funeral parlour, in the homeless man or the begging child. God is also in the person sitting next to you this morning or on the bus or is just a phone call away. We all meet God in different ways and at different times and places. The message of Epiphany is that the revelation of God is talking not of a once-for-all event but for an ever-event event It's not that Jesus came once and that was that. No, there was Easter, that bright and glorious morning when God astounded the world with what he could be and do. Come Easter, the bets were off. The tomb was empty and God was on the loose. He appeared and disappeared from rooms. He was on the beach having breakfast. He was walking with disciples who didn't know who they were talking to. So the message of Epiphany and Easter is that God's not dead. He's not dried out and hiding somewhere in Psalms. God is alive and kicking and a piffing here, there and everywhere, in the hope that somebody will tune in to the right frequency. The God who was revealed in Jesus lives and was made manifest somewhere in your journey to church this morning. He will be revealed in the prayers later and as we gather for coffee and on your return home. The message is to keep watch for you don't know the day or hour when God will appear. Nobody can force you to encounter God. There has to be a willing spirit and you have to be looking with a loving spirit. But God is here to be encountered wherever you are and whatever you're doing. In church, through prayers, Bible reading, songs, sermons, the ultimate purpose of it all is to provide a place where it's easiest to encounter our God. So the takeaway, as we leave today, let God a in your lives. Make space in your business to have a real, your busyness, sorry, to have a real encounter with God. It might be here, it might be there or anywhere, but expect that it will happen. Get up in the morning wondering how it will happen and go to sleep listening to God's voice. God will a piff.
0: Amen. And now we have